What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Forever News—the only news source that provides anything and everything anime and manga related. And we don't bore you; we get into it. Let's do it. Still moving on, still moving on. This is for my day ones. This is for my day ones. Come on. And before we continue, if you would hit that subscribe button and that bell, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, check out my website, timroosevelt.com, to pre-order some of my upcoming musical projects, including my Heroes EP, as well as the vinyl edition of my album, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. You can pre-order that as well. And also, if you would like to buy the digital version of the Rise of Tim Roosevelt album, that you can buy and get it right now. Thank you so much for the support. And yeah, let's get to the story, shall we? First story. Story on the docket. Y'all already know when it comes to Shonen Jump, all good things must come to an end. Just sometimes some sooner than others. However, a manga that is pretty notable. It's funny because it feels like a newbie and at the same time it already feels like an OG. Because yeah, Shonen Jump hasn't had much luck with popping successes over the last couple of years. Post the Jujutsu Kaisen and Chainsaw Man era. However, this manga, I'm not going to lie. Of the newbie bunch, it was definitely one of my favorites at first when it first came out. I had read about 15 or so-ish chapters of it before. Before I decided, okay, I'm going to let it build up. And unfortunately, it seems as though it's coming to an end. However, I'm hearing murmurings that this manga is actually not being canceled per se. But it's more so its natural ending. And this series that I'm referring to is the Ichi Nose Family Deadly Sins. It says here, the Ichi Nose Family Deadly Sins by Tizen 5 will be reaching its climax next week with chapter 48 and weekly Shonen Jump issue number 49 so essentially almost close to a year's worth of chapters the Ichinose family deadly sins has received and is already reaching its climax now I'll be honest with you based on the way the story was written and based on what we know about Tizen 5 it doesn't seem like this story was meant to go that long to be honest with you I feel like <laughs> as short of a run as it feels because normally again you expect a manga to go like 100 chapters 200 chapters it definitely felt like after a certain point that the mangaka didn't really know how to make things expand and it started feeling a bit convoluted as though again the author was throwing in plot twists for the sake of of adding plot twists so uh the fact that it is ending now a part of me wonders like well was it successful enough that shonen jump despite it ending ridiculously early in comparison to some of you know the manga that they axe at this point i think masashi kishimoto creator of naruto's last manga that he tried to you know release in shonen jump ended around this particular point in like the 40s or so of chapters and yet that was considered a failure and ultimately never went anywhere posted ending I could potentially, potentially see the Ichinose Family Deadly Sins at some given point maybe getting some sort of anime adaptation of every small run, maybe even a, a 12 episode, I don't know about a 24 episode, but I could see potentially a 12 episoder and maybe them cutting out a lot of the fat of like, yo, this plot twist and that plot twist because it seems as though Tizen 5 had a pretty concisive story set forth and then because again having to release chapters every week only having a few days at that in between releases in order to come up with where the story is going to go next it feels as though the author kind of took the story somewhere else that maybe they initially wasn't planning so I'm wondering again if this manga is indeed ending naturally and it's not being cancelled out of Shonen Jump's existence if there's a possibility that 
at 48 chapters if it'll be able to be adapted and will it be considered a success considering the fact that with four volumes I think it is averaging like about a hundred thousand copies a volume over time obviously first week sales aren't great for it but yeah I'm very interested to see where things go moving forward this is not a classic case of Shonen Jump canceling or axing stuff because Tizen 5 is not a long-running mangaka usually they go for a short period I think their previous series to Kopi's original sin wasn't that much of a long runner either so yeah very interesting feeling to be honest with you of I do think I will go back and read the rest of this thing because I did enjoy what I had read but it's not necessarily being canceled it might just be a case of yo the author had this much to say and this is what you got and if that's the case it kind of makes me think man I wish Death Note would have had that same option back in the day. Then we probably would have had damn near a masterpiece of a series, which Death Note is great. But yeah, you know the story. If you don't, Death Note was supposed to end at a certain point and the authors were pushed to keep it going a little more for the anime's sake. Yeah, but only time will tell. Either way, Tizen 5's The Ichinose Family Deadly Sins manga is coming to its climax, which means it's more than likely ending within the next issue or two. And kind of a bummer because like once again this was one of the ones that shonen jump has had for about a year now and it's not lasting long this is a little bit of a different case but i say all that to say that shonen jump needs to figure their stuff out and they need to do it quick i think with Kagurabachi, they are trying to make sure they have something in the pipeline because all of the big guns are coming to an end like my hero and uh you know black clover got moved out of the magazine all that jazz but only time will tell either way i am now diverting from the original subject Tizen 5's the ichinose family deadly sins comes to an end Seriously, though, I didn't expect that at this current moment. I thought it would have been going for a while, considering feels like the author was extending it to begin with. And in light of talking about some manga sales-related things, I have a chart right here that showed me a new world, so to speak. This is a, a pretty big story, in my opinion. Shoutouts to my guy, Naruto Explains, for bringing forth this story. But this story, in particular, really opened my eyes to where the manga industry is going, at the very least, in Japan. Now, over here in the West, I could say that people much more prefer the kind of quote-unquote streaming motto when it comes to even reading manga. People aren't really that hard-pressed to own the actual manga on their phone. They're fine with, which understandably so, paying like with Shonen Jump $2.99 a month and having unlimited access to read things. And oftentimes, people nowadays especially aren't really going back and rereading stuff. Therefore, people aren't really buying manga digitally because it kind of serves no purpose. So with that mentality... I personally thought it must be, you know, uniform universally in terms of people just aren't buying digital manga because for me personally, it feels like I'd rather own the physical if I'm going to actually buy it. However, these charts show a different tale entirely about what's going on in Japan and why it feels like sales are so low for manga despite the fact that it feels a renaissance is going on with manga right now it feels like anime and manga is at its peak of popularity more so than it's ever been internationally but sales if you follow my segment that we do every week here on forever news if you don't you should subscribe and hit that bell because yeah this is one of the most uh concurrent and consistent anime and manga related news platforms out there you ain't gonna get consistent coverage every single week of all the latest and greatest in the world of anime anywhere else other than right here where i tell you what's going on and i give a little bit of my opinion on it considering i've been doing this for you know quite some time 13 14 years you know what i'm saying i say all that to say looking at this chart 
over 50% of manga sales in 2023 have now officially been digital. And this is what's explaining what's happening in the top 50 manga of the week. Sales charts is the fact that they're not showing that digital is a big thing now. Pretty much over the last few years, probably I want to say... A little bit after the pandemic started slowing down, it seems as though digital sales have skyrocketed because prior to digital sales wasn't the biggest thing. In fact, taking a look at this chart right now, looking at so digital is the dark blue color. And in 2010, pretty much when I started doing YouTube, it was at 2.4%. So almost nobody was interested in buying digital manga. You jump up one year, it goes up about 7%. 2011 went up uh, or not seven percent i'm sorry 0.7 percent then it drops down in 2012 and then you start seeing the slow but gradual rise each and every year from 2013 3.8 to 2014 5.8 to 2015 8.6 2016 is where you start to see okay digital is covering a lot of ground but you're also seeing the decrease to a certain degree of physical you know the physical books or whatnot and then you cut all the way over to let's say about 2020 2021 you start seeing seriously like yo digital is making waves at 2020 it's almost at 30 percent at 2021 it surpasses 30 percent with 31.1 and then i don't know what happens in between 2022 and 2023 i'm imagining because during the pandemic in 2020 a lot of manga fans were born a lot of people just got into manga because it was like yo it's a hot commodity everybody's doing it let's do it we're bored as heck in the house or whatnot so a lot of people jumped into manga once they quickly realized a, a tale that has taken me a long time to realize that wow you run out of space really quick when you're collecting manga because it takes a lot of space people probably were like you know what i love me some manga but I'm not really all that enthusiastic about losing space for all these books. Also, probably some people feel embarrassed. They don't want to have a giant library in their house, which why, why are you embarrassed about reading and doing the things that you love if people don't accept it? As long as you're not, you know, being too, I guess you would say, I don't even know. There's nothing even to say. Enjoy your stuff. Don't let anybody judge you. And if they do screw them, that's them having a reflection of themselves of what they feel. You dig. Enjoy your anime and manga. I ain't going to give no excuses. Enjoy yours. But at 2022 and 2023 is where we see the decimation of physical media because it goes in 2022 up to 49 percent and then 2023 is the first time where over 50 percent of manga sales are made up by digital you see the digital is 54.3 the magazine is down to 24.2 all the way from which the magazine had a, a, a decent run i think it wow it kind of eclipsed the magazine in 2021 that's very interesting something happened post i was gonna say time skip post pandemic where the entire game shifted immensely from you see that it peaks with the magazine at 42.7 and then drops significantly pretty much what like 15 or 20 percent to 27.7 while again digital is rising you're seeing the uh, what you would call it the magazine magazine down to 13.8 and books at 20 oh my god in 2022 only 9.8 and then down to 9.2 i'm imagining the day that they decide to open up these sales to the top 50 best-selling manga of the week to oricon and whatnot we're going to see an influx and dramatic 
change. I'm sure there's a lot of authors that are very upset that these sales aren't being counted because they're probably missing out on number ones. If let's just say your manga is 99% being sold digitally, like if you're doing 100k sales and 99% of that is digital, you're probably upset because you're probably missing number one. So I, for one, am very much so pushing forth and excited for the day that they say, you know what? Physical sales aren't that big of a deal. Let's show the digital. But at the same time, I also want them to continue to push physical because after a certain point, digital, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I guess I'm okay with buying the digital copies of it. It's a little bit more like, hey, you own something. Even though it's just a digital file, you own it. It's a bit better, in my opinion, than just streaming. Because let's just say, okay, boom, you're streaming on the Shonen Jump app. You're reading the manga on there. You don't own it, but you're reading it. Five years from now, you may want to go back and read Bleach or Hunt the Hunter or Naruto. And they might have, just like we've seen with Netflix, titles that they own themselves. They might take them off the shelf for a period of time. You might not be able to act access those comics and now you got to go buy them anyways where you could buy them right now have them and boom so i guess it's all you know at the end of the day preference or whatnot but it is fascinating to see that manga sales especially in japan they aren't dwindling it just changed people are having the comics come into their phone opposed to physical books or whatnot and as a collector of myself it's a little bit of a shame i just recently bought volume one of the four nights of the apocalypse the seven deadly sin spinoff i just bought you know i still like to support the industry that i love that you know brought me a lot of enjoyment a lot of laughter a lot of emotion in general i don't be the the person that i am today for better or worse if i don't have a decade plus of experience all of these incredible and amazing stories via this outlet known as manga so i'm always going to support for the physical because i'd imagine there's probably a bit more money in it for the creators in the physical side of things and just in general it's a cool thing bro it's a it's an experience in and of itself and everything in the world is slowly going digital or ai so yeah i don't want to keep on this rant we're in for never news i just wanted to say that digital is up up like you could still sell stuff even digitally because it's up up for 54.3% in Japan right now are preferring to buy their manga digital opposed to going and buying the books. So that speaks volumes, no pun intended on where the manga selling industry is going. And again, I really hope they crack open these sales so we can see what's really cooking, what's really selling, what is the hot commodity, so to speak, of manga when you add in the sales of what's really going on because dog we literally are doing the top 50 best-selling manga of the week based off of 0.2 percent of sales that's abysmal which makes me think like my god what is really happening what is really bubbling in that 54 percent only time will tell either way this is the true to blue state of the manga industry manga sales everything is digital now and it's only going to get worse because we went from the days of you know we was at 17.4 percent at its height back in 2013 of physical books being the deal to 9.2 moving forward i am ecstatically happy to report that we finally got a little bit of an update on the black clover manga in case you've been living under a rock you know you've been kicking it with patrick star so to speak you may have missed it but one of the most popular shonen jump manga that is still technically ongoing black clover was recently removed from the confines of shonen jumps magazine the weekly release the weekly grind and was placed in a quarterly release called jump 
square. So it's still continuing on for where the story left off, but it will no longer be weekly. It's not even monthly. It's, I think, what, one chapter every three months. And it left a lot of fans, including myself, pretty sad or some even devastated because, you know, a lot of people, this is one of their favorite manga, for better or worse. Sometimes, yeah, Black Clover may have not been the biggest seller in the world. It's probably resting at about like 20 million sales total, which, I mean, 20 million of anything is a big, big sale and a big, big deal in my opinion, but that's a side note. However, we finally got an update on what's going on with Black Clover moving forward. It says, Black Clover by Yuki Tabata will be getting the cover and lead color page in Jump Giga 2024 winter. The issue is scheduled to release December 2023. So we kind of knew that it would be returning there, but we didn't know what type of state because again, a lot of people assume it got removed from Shonen Jump. It got removed from the biggest magazine. It was supposed to be, you know, back in the day, Shueisha Publishers was talking about they wanted it to be the next Naruto. Naruto never got, you know what I'm saying, uh, removed from Shonen Jump midway through or towards the finale or whatnot. It just, you know, it ended and then Boruto and V-Jump or whatnot. Um, but this getting the cover and lead color page and Jump Giga, I see a few different things. I see that they looked at it as, okay... Black Clover, it's never going to be the mainstream, you know, success that My Hero Academia is. The ship has sailed, unfortunately, is hundreds of chapters deep at this particular point. People just aren't latching on to it like they have with, again, the My Heroes, Jujutsu Kaisens, Demon Slayers, etc., etc. It just, it won't be that. However, they probably, the dudes say, you know what? If we could take a decent portion of the Black Clover fandom, the Black Clover readers, and attach them to another maybe smaller, less successful magazine, maybe we can get that magazine popping via Black Clover fans and at the same time, let Black Clover shine on its own. Because you got to imagine the same way that a lot of battle series really can't get their break when there's a bunch of big battle stories that are happening in Jump. I've seen it back in 2013, 2012 when the Big 3 was happening. was next to no room for authors to come in with a big battle series. My Hero Academia's author Kohei Horikoshi came in with Barrage. Sensei Noboge, canceled. Yuki Tabata tried to get in there with Hungry Joker, canceled. But once Naruto and Bleach are out the door, boom, My Hero Academia and Black Clover come about. So I say all that to say that when there's a lot of competition in the magazine and a lot of these big stories are occupying fandoms, again, Jujutsu Kaisen is occupying a fandom, My Hero Academia is occupying a fandom. Like there's a lot of different stories. One Piece, of course, is still swinging hardcore. It's hard for a story to stand out, especially Black Clover has been notoriously not the most successful. It's a success, but not the most successful when it comes to the manga side of things. So you do this, you put it in a side magazine, a quarterly release, so to speak. A lot of the fandom is going to flock to this, and they're not being shy about it. They're not hiding behind like, yo, we put it in Jump Giga, but we're going to put X, Y, and Z in the cover. No, they're putting Black Clover and they're giving it its shine. So yeah, it's still disappointing very much so to the fandom of we're not getting a chapter every week. We're not even getting a chapter every month. It's every three months. It's not cool. We went from weekly to this. So yeah, it's not the greatest feeling in the world. But the fact that they're showing it love, giving it the cover and colored whatnot. Sure, it's on the back of like, yo, we're marketing. We're going to get people to read this magazine. But at the same time, it's giving Black Clover its own shine. Who knows what could happen? Maybe Black Clover fans could really show out and be like, yo, we just had the movie and y'all did this. Bet, we're running in there. We're going to go buy some stuff. We're going to go support this thing. And if sales are up, maybe Black Clover will, you know, get its anime returning a lot sooner than later. I mean, it is, now that I think of it, kind of somewhat of a slap in the face of the movie came out on Netflix. And then shortly after the movie, like, yo, we're taking it out of Jump. It's going to Jump Giga. It's like... 
Damn. But yeah, I'm just very happy to report for fans out there, Black Clover, it will be in the December issue of Jump Giga, and the magazine will be tailored around Black Clover with the cover of the magazine and a cover-colored page to boot. Hopefully, Tabata have been cooking because, yo, don't let us down. We've been waiting, and I know you're probably happy in a way to not be on the weekly grind. Give us your best foot forward because now all the spotlight is on Black Clover. There's nothing in Jump Giga that is getting people rallying up and as excited about their series than Black Clover. I mean, I think the Gray Man is in there, but D. Gray Man has a pretty solid fan base. I'm saying all that to say that Black Clover is now really, there's no more excuses of, you know, my heroes in the magazine, all of that. It's by itself now. So we'll see what happens. Black Clover incoming with its big return in another couple months. Moving forward, we got a ton of stories in the world of One Piece, so we're going to just jump straight into them. For starters, we got Shueisha, Toei Animation, Bandai Namco, all team up to celebrate 25 years of the One Piece anime. Shueisha, Bandai, Bandai Spirits, Bandai Namco Entertainment, Toei, and Toei Animation. I forgot Toei has two separate entities, one for their animation and one for their live action shows. They teamed up to celebrate 25 years of the One Piece anime in a new video released on Friday. Actors Makenyu, who plays Zoro in the live action, dope. Akio Otsuka, who plays Blackbeard in the One Piece anime. I thought they already casted the live action Blackbeard. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Uh, Wataru Ichinose, Subaru Kimura, Shirabe Kawaguchi, Kaori Nazuka, and Yuno Nakao are, are seen flying their fandom flags in this compilation of five commercials for each of the companies. We get a glimpse of Makenyu's collection of One Piece manga volumes in Shueisha's commercial, while Otsuka gives a signature Blackbeard laugh as a retailer who just watched a customer win a Blackbeard figure as part of the Ichiban Kuji lottery. Bandai Namco Entertainment's commercial shows us voice actor Subaru Kimura and actor Shirabe Kawaguchi playing the One Piece Bounty Rush game. This is all really good marketing. Actresses Kaori Nazuka and Yuno Nakao are seen singing along with Uta at a screening of One Piece Film Red. Oh, Uta, One Piece Film Red. I love that movie. While Sota Fukushi is depicted enjoying an episode of the anime at home. The official YouTube channel for One Piece will also launch a new linear stream of the anime in celebration of its 25th anniversary titled Anytime One Piece, launching on October 29th at 10 a.m. JST, beginning with episode 1 of the anime the the stream will play through the next year in japan only unfortunately and add new episodes as they air on tv at 24 minutes per episode and 1080 episodes currently that's exactly 18 straight days of the anime before it loops again gee so is it really it would take you 18 days to watch all of one piece if you watch it straight i mean who the fuck is gonna stay up 18 days straight but geez louise on that namco entertainment shueisha and toy animation once again held one piece day okay we're familiar with that but yeah it sounds like they're doing a lot of really cool stuff to promote one piece and this you know luxurious incredible time that we're in of one piece like yo one piece really came so and conquered in 2023 between the manga still kicking major tail the live action breaking the live action curse the video game like kudos to one piece and i'm glad that they're doing dope stuff like that i think that's really creative getting like this one you know very wide variety of actors and actresses to do different things blackbeard from the anime zoro from the live action that's pretty cool stuff and speaking of the live action we got a whole bunch of stories on that as well apparently netflix's one piece shares bts peak 
at Season 2. It seems like the sales are set for One Piece. While the hit anime keeps track of its Wano Saga finale, all eyes are on Netflix when it comes to Luffy's live-action future. Back in August, Hollywood's anime curse was thwarted when One Piece set sail on Netflix. The live-action adaptation has broken big streaming records, and it didn't take Netflix long to order a Season 2. Two. And now we've been given a special peek at Season 2's Trek behind the scenes. The update comes courtesy of One Piece itself as the Netflix series hit up X. It was there, a photo was posted for the One Piece writer's room, and the photo highlights some of the bright minds that made Season 1 a bona fide hit. So yeah, we got a lot of people on board big big staff of writers meet the writers room for season two we can't wait to share what adventures we have in store from matt owens to randy troy this photo features a top tier group of writers and of course the group was finally able to unite as wga was able to end its strike against hollywood's top studios this month after months picketing the wga negotiated a new contract the resolution was fought hard and one piece fans were glad for it as the strikes end meant work on season two could begin however the strike in Hollywood are not done yet as the SAG after is still picketing and so yeah it's just giving us a glimpse that they're united they're getting ready to write the next season of the One Piece live action they got the people on board it's just a matter of yo they could have the greatest script in the world or I think they said that the script is mostly done for the script they pretty much now are waiting for the actors strike to end because the writers got what they wanted now is kind of in the ball for yeah let's get the actors right too but also netflix's co-ceo was seen praising one piece for its groundbreaking success which is kind of wild uh, you know one of the heads of netflix being like yo one piece is so freaking successful netflix is one of the biggest names in entertainment and it has dozens upon dozens of original series from wednesday to stranger things netflix has no shortage of hits of course this list includes one piece as the live action anime managed to defy hollywood's historic string of bombs and now now one of the CEOs behind Netflix is opening up about One Piece and its reign. The admission comes in two parts as Ted Sarandos, the co-CEO of Netflix, appeared in a video this week detailing the company's latest quarter. It was there the executive praised One Piece for doing things some of Netflix's most popular originals failed to do. And Sarandos even gave star Inaki Godoy, Luffy... A shout out. That's freaking huge. One Piece is number one in 84 countries around the world, which is something that Stranger Things didn't do. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I ain't no hater. I ain't no hater, bro. You beat you be Stranger Things in a lot of areas. That is massive. And also Wednesday didn't do. And it's so rare for an English show to be that popular in Japan and Korea, Brazil, and in the U.S. at the same time, the co-CEO explained. Inaki Godoy, who stars in the show, it was one of the most difficult casting challenges in the history of our original programming. Who was going to play Monkey D. Luffy? I bet. The entire time as they're casting, like, oh, I hope the fans don't kill us for this. As for Netflix's report on its third quarter results, the document was just as complimentary. One Piece is a great example of Netflix's variety, reach, recommendations, and fandom at play. Based on the best-selling manga series, our live-action adaptation generated stellar reviews, loud conversation on social media, in particular TikTok, and a huge watching, the report reads. Obviously, Netflix bet big on One Piece. They did. They've been working on this since like 2017. And the show's effort paid off. The hit adaptation has already been given a season two order, and series creator Eichiro Oda is ready for what's next. After all, it is about time for Tony Tony Chopper to join the Straw Hat crew, and there's also a certain port is the ace on the horizon that's going to be another hard one uh to cast because fans is going to be like hawks like you better get them right you better get ace right 
If you have not watched One Piece's Netflix, you can find the series obviously easy. And yeah, it sounds like based off of the co-CEO bragging about, not bragging, you know what I'm saying, being excited to talk about the success of One Piece, that it did things that Wednesday and Stranger Things didn't do, that is beyond humongous. And granted, it's One Piece, you know, it does that, but considering the challenge that they had set forth in front of them of like, yo, dog, is a live action of one of the most beloved manga and anime in history and they were able to pull it off you gotta again i ain't no hater it's real you did it you got a big w there let's see if they could do it again is the only other thing to follow up with that can season two do the same thing can season three can we get to a season seven those are the questions left because clearly season one came saw and did what they set out to do and then some because i got to imagine one of the main things was like as long as we don't get a lot of hate We'll be fine with that, but it did above and beyond that. It got literally people, including myself, saying this is one of the best live-action adaptations from an anime and manga we've ever seen. And then last but not least in the world of the One Piece Netflix live-action, Netflix's One Piece showrunner explains why it's a perfect story for our times. In our exclusive interview, this is referring to comicbook.com, they had an interview with Steve Maeda, the creator who helped bring One Piece to the real world, talked while the Straw Hats weaved a perfect tale of our time. He said... I think that One Piece is, as I said, a perfect story for our times, but also technologically it was possible to do One Piece now the right way, spending a good amount of money, but not to have it be ridiculously expensive or unmakeable because of the level of effects, because there's so much that's needed to be done. And it's also a travel show, which means it's very unlike a lot of television where you go back to the same sets for an entire season or even multiple seasons. So in order, it had to be the right place, the right time, the right studio and network and the right people being involved with it as as well from all levels so the writers the directors the cast everything i feel like it was some good timing maeda then hashed out how long it took to create this new take on the straw hat pirates attributing some delays to the covid pandemic that can still throw monkey wrenches into some productions to this day we also had some bad timing with covid with the show being pushed several times i mean it probably should have been a two-year journey and ended up being a four-year journey for me personally but it felt like the right story to tell at the right time and with other anime and manga adaptations i think there was bad luck honestly it was just not the right shows to make the choices to stray from original source material i think maybe we're somewhat ill-advised it's hard these shows are alchemy trying to tell the right stories get the loyal fans excited about it and then bring in new fans as well so you can actually have a hit is a really tall order for any adaptation but particularly for manga and anime where there's also cultural differences. And so fans in Asia may totally understand why a character is doing something fans in the West may not. It's about, again, finding that balance, which was, again, many, many discussions with Oda-san. Balance is very important, like the record I got on my album, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt, out now, stream it anywhere, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. You could also check it out on my website, timroosevelt.com. Go pick up the digital copy of this, pre-order the vinyl, pre-order the vinyl of my upcoming EP. I just had to throw that in there, baby. And congrats to the One Piece live action for all the success again. Moving forward, so in case you don't know, as of recent, there's been some commotion going on in the Bleach fandom in particular regarding some voice actresses that play, or well, one has been the long-standing voice actress for Yoroichi, and one that was supposed to become the new voice actress for Yoroichi, and a lot has transpired over the last few days. Now, apparently, 
for the longest time, Wendy Lee has been the voice actress for Yoroichi from Bleach for I don't even know how many years now, over a decade, probably a decade and a half. She's been playing Yoroichi in the English dub. Uh, recently, due to what has been explained as a mistake, an error, essentially she was recasted in favor of Anaris for the role of Yoroichi. However, as of recent, there was a big commotion because the recasting happened yet again, where Wendy Lee once again retained the role of Yoroichi and Anaris was removed from the role. And a lot of people were very upset. A lot of people were pointing fingers or whatnot. And ultimately, it got even worse because as things was transpiring, a lot of actors and actresses were coming out to support Anaris, you know, giving her some emotional support and just in general saying like, it's you know it's a shame but it's all good and whatnot and Wendy Lee was upset at the fact that she felt as though support for Anaris was you know going against her because at the end of the day she was the one that was regaining her role or whatnot likewise with the black community on Twitter they were very upset as well because Yoroichi as shown in the series is a darker complexion character and a lot of people were like yo dog she's you know a black character should be played by a black actress now there's a back and forth on that one because it is a fictional character and it's not the actual actor themselves playing it. Some people feel like anybody should be able to play the character of Yoroichi while a lot of the black community are like, no, it should be a black actress playing Yoroichi. So where we stand at it right now is that essentially Wendy Lee is going to continue on as the voice of Yoroichi and pretty much Anaris has been essentially removed. However, she is going to continue on playing Hiyori from Bleach. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. Let's read a little bit to get all the details. Bleach star breaks silence on recent recasting controversy. This week has been a difficult one for the Bleach fandom. A few days back, reports surfaced that Bleach's Thousand of Blood War was undergoing a last-minute casting change. Voice actress Anaris Quinones revealed that she was recast as Yoroichi and reports later confirmed the character's previous voice actor Wendy Lee would reprise Yoroichi. However, the situation that followed left Bleach trending globally. Controversy within the anime fandom began brewing after Lee posted replies on Kinona's tweet to other voice actors and fans about the cast change. The now deleted messages were shared on social media for being crass in light of the news. These posts paired with a list of troubling likes on Lee's page sparked debate in the Bleach fandom. And now, the two involved actors are speaking out. The first to post about the situation was Lee as she replied to a post made by Kinona's about Yoroichi. Wishing Anaris the very best, I reached out and apologized, mistakenly assumed my colleagues knew I originated the role and felt unsupported by the disappointment expressed in their comments regarding the cast change. Apologies and heartfelt well wishes to Anaris, welcome to the cast, which to be honest with you, it comes across as very much so a backhanded, you know, welcome to the cast considering you removed her from the cast. I, I don't, I'm not sure if she's referring to uh, the role of Hiyori that Anaris is going to be taking up. But regardless of what, it's like, yo, dog, what do you mean welcome to the cast? You just took her role and then on top, or you took the role back from her. And on top of that, you was very mean-spirited about the whole situation when you could have just been with Grace or you could have, I don't know, stayed quiet and maybe just made a statement saying, hey, I, I wish her all the luck and support. Um, but instead, it was just 
there was a circus. Some hours later, Kinones addressed the situation with their own response. When I was cast as Yoroichi earlier this year, I knew I had to mentally prepare myself for backlash. I was excited as someone who grew up watching Bleach and excited for the people of color community who had seen themselves in her. I was determined to do my best. I almost didn't announce it. I didn't want to invite the negative attention, but I knew it was a big deal and did it anyway. I did my very best to remind myself where some of it was coming from. <laughs> racist, <laughs> racist people. Yeah, they were attacking her for, yeah. And focused on all the love and there was so much again thank you a few days later i received a phone call informing me that they would like to give the role to wendy lee i was upset most of all for the fans that were excited about the recast it was a bizarre situation it wasn't my first time being recast but definitely the strangest circumstance i recognize and appreciate you reached out privately to apologize for how your replies made the situation quote-unquote blow up but this started the moment i made my casting announcement i understand where you're coming from but your words were unkind towards my peers i have responded to Wendy privately as I have no energy or interest in participating in the situation more than I already have. I am not ready to talk. Please respect that. Sadly, Bleach's recent cast change has sparked discord within the fandom. At this point, Viz Media or its dubbing partner Studioopolis has not addressed this recasting controversy. And as for the English dub of Bleach's Thousand Year Blood War, of course, you can find it streaming on Hulu and or Disney Plus, depending on where you're going. And once again, I have to stress because I did cover this topic over on my other channel and whatnot, but um, I definitely feel like Viz dropped the ball in regards to making it seem like it was something that it was not in terms of the big recast and then recasting again. Not sure exactly what happened. It does seem as though Wendy Lee fanned the flames very heavily by making it more of a beef-oriented type of situation opposed to just bowing out gracefully from the role or even when you obtained the role, just kind of being a little bit more mum and respectful towards your peers and Anaris. Yes, people were comforting her. That did not necessarily mean their comfort for her, their support for her was an attack on you. It's simply, hey, an actress that was really excited about a role and an entire community that was really excited about a role are disappointed. But that's where we stand with it. If there's any other further updates regarding what happens with the role of Yodoichi, I will let you know. But as it stands right now, the recast is once again confirmed that it will be Wendy Lee who will continue on playing the voice of Yodoichi. Um, but I know Anaris has had many roles in recent times and is going to continue and go on to bigger and better. So salute to Anaris regardless and the entire community. Moving forward, we have a pretty monumental moment here that apparently a rare anime auction breaks sales records after multi-million dollar turnouts. Now, I'm going to be very clear about this one. I don't know if this story is in there in particular, but I did see, I want to say it was Chris Sabat that recently said like an original sell from not sell you know the the villain so an original sell from the original dragon ball z anime i want to say it was like the moment majin vegeta was about to blow himself up via boo you know how like there's that still frame where vegeta stays frozen for a second where it's like a painting damn near i want to say one of those original cells was recently auctioned off and sold off for like a hundred and thirty something thousand dollars i might be lowballing it highballing it but it was definitely over one hundred thousand dollars and again i'm not sure if that's a part of this little situation pretty big situation but i found that one to be astronomical like damn six figures for one cell that's crazy again shout out to 
perfect sell. Mm -hmm. It looks like anime is driving sales wherever you look. From Blu-ray sales to streaming subs, anime is on the rise and that includes merchandise. Collectors are eager to nab their rarest anime goods when they pop up. And thanks to a recent sale by Heritage, a whopping $3.1 million was just spent on vintage anime goods. Not long ago, Heritage released the results of one of its top auction weekends. The Art of Anime and Everything Cool auction resumed last weekend and it set a record at the famous auction house. The sale realized $3.148 million to beat the record high set last September with numerous lots far exceeding their initial estimates. For more than 5,000 bidders competed for their slices of history online, over the phone, and in person. By far the largest turnout yet. As for what sold, the auction saw everything from Dragon Ball Z to a Curacao, so I'm imagining that's what what I was talking about earlier. The biggest sale of the auction went to Vegeta as a sale from Final Atonement, told you, told you, was sold for a whopping 144,000 USD, which marks a record for Dragon Ball production sales. Akira also saw some of its sales sold, and the same went for projects like Cowboy Bebop, Kiki's Delivery Service, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, and more. Outside of anime, the anime industry also got some love from this heritage auction. A 50-inch statue of Bender from Futurama Sold for nearly $40,000 USD. And that's just the start. Production sales were also sold from some powerhouse animated series. Including The Simpsons, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And Tron. So people, collectors are still buying stuff. I always tell you like, yo. Actually, even if it's not like this expensive stuff. I want to throw a little bit of game. Sometimes you never know what you could be purchasing. Not saying to go and willy-nilly spend money. Obviously, make sure all your bills are paid. Make sure you're financially able to do this. But if you got a little money to play around. You got a little money, you want to buy some stuff. Maybe you got a little bit of a fever to buy some anime merch or whatnot. Always look at stuff and say, hmm, is there a possibility this could be? And think back to your memory of stuff that you've seen in the past that sold for crazy amounts. And if you're one of those people that you like to collect stuff because you think maybe in value it'll go someday, definitely look at stuff like, for example, I recently bought some records, some anime records. And I was thinking to myself, these are those things that 15 years from now on eBay, it'll be selling for like 20 grand, 30 grand or something crazy. Like that's those type of situations. So I was like, I'm going to buy one. You know what I mean? Like always, if you're going to buy some anime merch, think to yourself historically from what you've seen online or what you can envision, you know, use a little bit of imagination. Can this piece of merch end up selling for big? Like I remember I bought these like little play Bakugo, My Hero Academia explosion cannons or whatnot. It was like this little toy thing. And I thought to myself, I could see like, 30 years from now, people being like, yo, this is a rare thing. Not many people bought this back in the days when it was at Walmart. And I bought them. <laughs> you never know. It's not like I'm going to wear it, even though I did wear them for a My Hero Academia movie review. But that's besides the point, all right? But yeah, major win for the anime industry. Again, 144000 for one little cell from millions and millions and millions of cells that were made to create Dragon Ball Z. Unfathomable. <laughs> Moving forward, Attack on Titan fans, we got a couple of pieces of news in the world of Attack on Titan. For starters, we got right here, Attack on Titan unpacks Eren's motives in historic new interview. I'm pretty sure this is the interview that I told you guys in the last week's episode of Forever News, where they were going to do a interview with an you know, a character they were going to interview Eren Yeager from Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan unpacks Eren's motives in new historic interview. 
There are just days left to go before Attack on Titan comes to an end. After more than a decade, the hit anime is readying its finale, and the epic conclusion has the entire fandom on edge. Attack on Titan has been a staple amongst fans for years, so the expectations for Eren's journey are high, and now the protagonist has stepped out in a historic interview to talk through his legacy. If you did not know, the team behind Attack on Titan came together this week to release a full interview with Eren himself. The first of his kind chat saw NHK interview Eren Yeager, and thanks to voice actor Yuki Kaji, we got to hear from the soldier himself. It was there Eren broke down his life story and gave fans a peek into his dark thoughts. And apparently this was translated by pages like Attack on Fans, um, this interview. And some of the key points that was addressed was, let's see here, some of the things that was said from Eren. When we're born, all of us are free. People who reject that, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how cruel the world is. Fight, fight, fight. Fight. If you don't fight, you can't win. That's why I do it. I saw enough joy as a human being. I'll never go back to being a human again. I'm going to become a devil and then it's over. It was my dream to make Armin's dream come true. That's how important he is to me. And the same for Mikasa because the three of us are inseparable. They both are important to me. So I want them to live long and happy lives. I will never forget the frustration and disappointment I felt in myself at that time. All I could do was be angry at the Titans and at myself. I've been in an environment where I had to keep fighting to stay alive. No one wanted to be eaten by the Titans. But in reality, the enemy was not emotionless monsters, but humans like us. I think that freedom is when people can continue with their daily lives without being threatened. All I ever wanted was to be able to take a nap under the tree. That's all. That wasn't enough for me. There was a view I wanted to see. So I wanted to fight for it. I just wanted to fight. And I think that this was creative. I think this was a cool look into, again, Eren Yeager as we reach the finale of the Attack on Titan original anime, which about time I go live. But I love Attack on Titan, though. This was the most dragged out anime finale in probably the history of anime finales. Again, people attack Naruto for the last Naruto the movie. And then Boruto Naruto the movie. Like, you know, it was, whoa, I thought that was the last. But Attack on Titan hit different. It's been like the final, final, final season for like five years. It's been, it's been madness. But yeah. Yeah, sounds very dark. It sounds like even in the darkness, it sounds like Eren Yeager still was always a good person beneath it all. Him talking in this, you know, very dark time of what Eren Yeager has become in the anime right now. He's still worried about and still thinking about the happiness of his comrades. He's still even looking at himself and painting himself to a certain degree as a true to blue martyr. So definitely very insightful on the character. We also have an update on a trailer. Attack on Titan producer shares new trailer update. It won't be long guys. After more than 10 years on air, Attack on Titan will close its doors this fall. If you did not know, Attack on Titan will release a big anime finale this November after months of waiting and one producer or is sorry a new trailer for the finale isn't ready yet the update comes from tetsuya kinoshita one of the longtime producers of attack on titan taking to twitter the anime executive shared a short apology with fans as many were expecting an attack on titan trailer to drop recently sorry no pv still in production everyone working so hard please be patient and have a nice day i'd imagine there's probably some shots that they want to get animated first to throw into that trailer that's probably what it is somebody wrote the trailer and they're like we haven't got those scenes done yet. <laughs> As for why fans were anxious about Attack on Titan, well, we have Eren Yeager to thank. The protagonist of Attack on Titan appeared on NHK for an interview. So I'm imagining people expected during that Eren Yeager interview that we would get another trailer. We do mean the character himself. With help from MAPPA Studios, Eren took part in an interview with NHK ahead of his anime's big finale. It was there we heard in-character chatter from Eren about his legacy and the end of his journey. 
So, of course, Attack on Titan fans were hopeful the interview would end with a new look at the show's series finale. Sadly, Kinoshita and the team had to hold back on such a promo. There was still work being done on Attack on Titan's final part. It also could be that maybe it's not quite done, but even more so it's like, yo, that's a separate piece of promo. We already got the Aaron Geiger interview as a big promo. Why we got to drop a trailer when we could do that, get people more excited. And then drop the trailer a day or two before the actual thing comes out. Get people more hype. MAPPA Studios had to prioritize its manpower after all the anime is expected to drop its final episode November 4th. So there's little time left before Attack on Titan ends. If you're not familiar with Attack on Titan, well, catch up. Seriously, it's a crazy story. It's one for the books. It's a once in a decade type of situation. Well, expanded past day. Well, no. Technically, it's literally once in a decade. Anime premiered 2013. It's ending in 2023. It took 10 years to end this bad boy. It took a decade, but it's pretty freaking awesome. Moving forward, we got some unfortunate news to report that voice actress Miyuki Ichijo has passed away at 76. Talent agency production Baobab announced the passing of voice actor Miyuki Ichijo on Tuesday due to multiple organ failure. She was 76. Ichijo was born August 23, 1949 in Iwate Pre. Picture. Ichijo was known for her roles as Jody Starling in Detective Conan, Yoshi in the House of the Lost on the Cape movie, Michiru in Little Twins, Misa Takatsuki in Project Arms, Wakiko Obo in Obo Chama Kun, Cardo Nabo in Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury Prologue, and many more. Ichijo was also famous for voicing dub roles of Western films and TV series, notably the voice of Marge Simpson in The Simpsons, Jessica Rabbit in the Who Framed Roger Rabbit film, and Sandra Bullock's Annie Porter in Speed. So, yeah, she was pretty significant in the anime voice acting industry, especially, of course, playing um, in Detective Conan. Um, rest in peace and condolences to her family on this whole situation. Very tragic, you know. Um, it's been a tough few years of losing actors and actresses in the anime. I mean, losing people in general, but yeah, rest in peace. Moving forward, apparently Toei Animation has bigger and grander plans to continue on expanding. It says here, Toei Animation announces global expansion plans. If you need more proof of anime's dominance, just look at Toei Animation. The company's been around for decades, and it's rolled out some of the industry's most popular titles, from Dragon Ball to Slam Dunk and One Piece. Let's throw in Toriko, even though it kind of failed, but they they tried. (laughs) Toei Animation is busier than ever these days, given anime's rise and global demand and now a new report is that the brand is ready to expand globally in recent report variety confirmed toy animation's plan to expand its reach the global initiative will begin in europe as toy animation is looking to open an office in italy according to the report other global offices are being eyed with locations in india and south america high up on the list currently toy animation has a few overseas offices the company has long had workers present in north america as well as asia australia africa and the Middle East. However, it seems Toei Animation is eager to expand those branches and open new ones. It seems the market in Europe is ripe for expansion and that's why the company is planning to open its Italian office ASAP. Yo, that's gonna be crazy. They're gonna be in Italy with Toei Animation. It don't stop. Shinohara Satoshi, an executive at Toei, detailed the company's ambitious plans during a recent appearance at TIFFCOM. It was there the exec said it would be hugely significant to have a sales division present in India and ask for an office in Mexico 
Mexico? Well, Shinohara says serving that Latin American audience would be a game changer. Mexico loves Dragon Ball and Saint Seiya and Fist and they love that stuff. For decades, toy animation and most anime studios, if we're being fair, looked inward for metrics. The audience being catered to was distinctly Japanese. But in recent years, data has proven the global appetite for anime is set to dwarf the demand in Japan just by population alone. From 2012 to 2021, toy animation has seen more than a 40% increase in global revenue. However, those profits are eaten into by licensors and the like. Despite earning nearly $660 million in global revenue last year, toy animation's net income stood at $157 million, which is still a lot of money. As you can imagine, toy animation wants to cut down on middleman costs while expanding its IP notoriety on a global scale. Given the rate at which anime and manga are growing, it is easy to see why the company is running forward with this expansion. And opposed to having to pay companies that are already based in Italy, like, yo, you guys handle all of our properties over there for the broadcasting or whatnot, they figure, set up our own shops over there and we cut millions upon millions of dollars of having to pay these companies to handle the products and whatnot. Let's set up base over there as well. So definitely big plans from Toei in the next few years on expansion. And it's a good and a bad thing because at the same time, some of the decisions they've been making over the last few years regarding the expansion has been a little questionable, but... There we are. Moving forward, we got a quick update from Taite Kubo's Burn the Witch, the upcoming adaptation of the prequel chapter. It says here, Burn the Witch number 0.8 anime's new video reveals December 29th global debut, more staff and cast, NIL theme song. The official website for the anime of Taite Kubo's Burn the Witch anime revealed the key visual, main promo video, new cast member, and the December 29th world premiere for the upcoming anime adaptation of Kubo's 2018 Burn the Witch 0.8 manga prologue on monday the anime's promo video also revealed additional staff and previewed the theme song prove by n i l and we got a new again visual whatnot um which it seems to be because in the burn the witch like three episode series or whatnot it mostly focused in on the two female protagonists but this one it looks like they're going to go because if i remember correctly based off of that prequel one shot that was kind of what you know was the catalyst to burn the witch to begin with there was that gentleman that's in the promo in the middle that he was a pretty significant uh, focal point of things. Again, I don't remember in the three episode, um, you know, the latest Burn the Witch stuff, how prevalent he was. But I know for sure in the uh, one shot, he was pretty notable. So that's probably why they're putting him there as well. But it still makes me think like, damn, dog. We did the Burn the Witch anime. A lot of people, including myself, were like, yo, can't wait for the sequel. And they set up all these characters. And they're like, yo, Kubo's too busy with Bleach right now. Thousand of Blood War anime. Big success. Big product right now. We can't, you know what I'm saying? L- just give something that he did earlier, Burn the Witch, in the meantime. It's like, damn, all right. At least we, in some way, you know what I'm saying? So still looking forward to this Burn the Witch anime project. Um, let's see how it goes. I-, I can't imagine how, you know, considering it's like, what, 40, 50 pages? It might have been 60-something pages for this thing. I'm not sure how long that would be. It wouldn't be like a movie. It'd probably be more like an OVA type of deal, like 40 minutes maybe, but we'll see. Moving forward, Berserk fans, I think, are going to be pretty interested in this next story, especially if you like to buy you some Berserk manga. Berserk manga deluxe editions are buy one, get one 50% off for a massive Amazon book sale. When Berserk creator Kentaro Miura died in 2021, many believed that one of the greatest manga of all time would remain unfinished. Fortunately, Miura's friend Koji Mori and the artists at Studio Gaga decided that they would bring closure to the story of Guts and the Band of the Hawk using Miura's notes as their 
guide. That said, if you want to get caught up before the grand finale, now would be a very good time thanks to a massive Amazon sale. And yeah, if you could buy Berserk manga out of all the manga out there, as long as you know you, you can stomach it because it is a little graphic and it's definitely not for the faint at heart and definitely not for the kiddos you may want to jump on this amazon is running a huge buy one get one 50 off sale that contains thousands of books including eight deluxe versions of berserk at the time of writing you can shop the entire amazon bookstore while it lasts and enter berserk in the sales search to see the current list of titles i'm not sure how long this thing is going on but you can mix and match any book in the sale to earn your discounts so make sure to run additional searches to see if your favorite manga so it's not only berserk there's a bunch of other stuff that you could buy one get one 50 off and considering the <laughs> berserk you know big editions those giant massive deluxes that they have out there are fairly pricey things you may want to jump on this if it's still active by the time you're checking this out. Um, I have all of the singular, I think I'm maybe like one or two books behind, but majority of the Berserk manga, I have it in the singular small edition. So probably not the best for me until maybe at some given point I may decide to sell those off and get the big ones because those big ones look awesome pause moving forward in case you don't know death battle they've done a lot of really awesome stuff in the past anywhere from doing you know fantasy fights of goku versus superman asta versus deku and now they're back this time around they did a satoru gojo versus makima jujutsu kaiser character versus a chainsaw man character gojo takes on makima an epic new death battle episode jujutsu kaiser and a chainsaw man are at their peaks i wouldn't say so i'd say jjk is chainsaw man feels like it's a little bit down at this particular point. Maybe I'm off on that. Upon their debut, the two anime series became mega hits within the industry and they have conquered the globe. When it comes to the anime fandom, Jujutsu Kaisen and Chainsaw Man have unlimited potential. And at last, the team at Death Battle has finally explored whether Gojo Satoru of Jujutsu Kaisen could beat Makima in a fight. The big video just went live and the epic show breaks down the odds of victory between Gojo and Chainsaw Man's Makima. The team goes in depth to prove just how powerful both of these fighters are. And when it comes to strength, Gojo and Makima at the top of their respective food chains. But there can only be one winner in this instance. And uh, the death battle uh, winner was Gojo. There's no denying the insane strength Makima has. And I'll be honest with you, when I first saw this, it's like I'm torn. Because part of me, immediately, the first reaction is, no, Gojo annihilate her but then when you look at her feats and what she's capable of and everything you've seen in chainsaw man and then some it makes you question well maybe and at the very least as far as like being a a dastardly character you know that's uh, which is off topic but i just got to give makima credit where it's due she was amazing but yeah with everything we've seen from gojo let's let, come on sometimes people try to compare gojo versus goku even though i think that's a super fallacy of a battle but yeah if, if people are comparing gojo to like goku and stuff like that i don't think makima fares the greatest against him although still regardless of what Shoutouts to Makima, and yeah, Death Battle did something pretty interesting. And simply put, Death Battle found that there was no good way for Makima to challenge Gojo's infinity domain. Speaking of Chainsaw Man, Chainsaw Man creators set up its apocalyptic girl gang ages ago. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert on Chainsaw Man! Chainsaw Man spoilers will be said. Chainsaw Man has a vision and will do just about anything to see it through. Since its launch, creator Tatsuki Fujimoto has put readers on a slow drip of adrenaline. This means things in Chainsaw Man really kick off when a climax hits. The whole thing came to light this month after Chainsaw Man dropped its latest chapter. It was there fans checked on Denji as he learned about the Death Devil's true existence. It turns out the Ultimate Devil does exist and they are the eldest sister of Nayuta, or rather, the 
the control devil. This means all of the four horsemen prophesied in Chainsaw Man are actually women, and Fujimoto did it out of his love in Control Woman long ago. Some time ago, Blade of the Immortal creator Hiroaki Samura did an interview with Fujimoto where they talked about their gigs. It was there Fujimoto got real about his female characters, and he admitted he likes forward women. I also like domineering and irrational women, the artist shared. Later in the interview, Fujimoto doubled down on this type. Samurai at one point says he likes women who are mentally superior to men, and Fujimoto was quick to agree. Right, I want to have women in higher positions than men, the Chainsaw Man creator agreed. And now, well, it seems the Four Horsemen are about to make Fujimoto's dream a reality. After all, the heroine who makes up the Four Horsemen are powerful to put it lightly. Makima put the gang on the map as the control devil, and Nayuta is just as fearsome. Fami, who has already proven their terrible influence as the hunger devil, and the same goes for Yoru, the war devil. Soon we will get to meet the death devil and all their foretold horror. So if you're not caught up with Chainsaw Man... You should be reading. Moving forward, we spoke about this recently that Crunchyroll was, you know, expanding in its ever expansive, uh, I guess you would say, fashion. But now Crunchyroll service launches on Prime video channels. Crunchyroll announced on Tuesday that it has collaborated with Amazon to distribute the Crunchyroll subscription service on Prime Video. Crunchyroll is now available via Prime Video channels in the U.S. It will then launch on Prime Video in Canada, Sweden, and the U.K. this week before arriving in additional territories this year crunchyroll is offering its fan and mega fan subscription tiers through prime video this is very interesting the latter includes offline viewing in addition to ad free streams with additional non-video benefits to be added shortly the company stated it will add non-video benefits shortly crunchyroll recently collaborated with sony pictures entertainment's game show network to launch a new 24 7 linear channel on amazon freebie lg channels the roku channel and vizio watch free plus First, Sony's Funimation Global Group completed its acquisition of Crunchyroll from AT&T, of course, back in August 2021. Purchase price was $1.175 billion. And I'm very curious to see what this collaboration with Amazon is going to bring forth. We know that for a bit of time over the last few years, Amazon was trying to break into the anime industry. They had for a while that service, Amazon Strike, which was terribly titled. It made people think that Amazon workers were going on strike, but Amazon Strike was essentially their take on trying to get anime, and they had a few acquisitions. I remember at that time, they had the newest at the time, Blue Exorcist Season, and uh, what else? They had a few pretty notable titles. I think it was uh, Recreators. I think they had that as well. They had some pretty awesome stuff. I think they have Villain Saga now that I think of it. Oh, God. Yeah, they have Villain Saga, Dororo. They had some pretty awesome titles, but it seems maybe with this partnering of Crunchyroll, Amazon has settled on not trying to compete for the crown of anime uh, streaming king and is more so happy and content with making trillions of dollars everywhere else and just like ah eh, we'll partner up with these Crunchyroll dudes and call it a day because Crunchyroll has been expanding immensely as of late I mean even in Walmart I just saw in the last week or so they cleared out majority of the anime section and have a big sign that says Crunchyroll in the middle of all the anime DVDs and merchandise so speaks volumes that Sony since its purchase of Crunchyroll and Funimation a few years back has really been positioning Crunchyroll 
Crunchyroll to be anime. There might come a point where some people don't even recognize that anime is anime and they might think, oh, it's a Crunchyroll cartoon or something like that. You never know because they're putting Crunchyroll as like the deciding facto of, you know, anime distributors, even though Netflix is still giving a run for his money. So it's always healthy to have competition because if Crunchyroll inevitably wins and becomes the only dog in town, we might have a heavy price to pay for that. So, I mean, shout outs to Crunchyroll expanding, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy that there's competition around because we don't want them to inevitably have a monopoly on anime in the West. According to Deadline, Amazon Prime's video streaming service will begin running advertisements for subscribers in the United States in early 2024. The company will offer an ad-free subscription tier for an additional US $2.99 per month on top of the base subscription fee. While Prime Video plans to introduce advertisements in the United States, United Kingdom, Germany, and Canada in early 2024, Amazon will expand the plans in France, Italy, Spain, Mexico, and Australia later that year. Moving forward, not so good news from Cartoon Network. Apparently, Cartoon Network has plans for several shows to disappear from streaming. Just when you think things can't get any worse for Max, it does. While the streaming service is in the midst of a rebrand, several of its controversial choices still haunt Max. Perhaps its biggest sin has to do with animation, as Max infamously called its animation catalog not long after Warner Brothers and Discovery merged. And now it seems that choice has put fans in yet another pinch the whole thing came to light on social media as fans noticed some digital platforms were losing access to warner brothers discovery titles projects like infinity train and okko are starting to disappear from online libraries which is adding insult to injury the following shows have been impacted in some way by new library restrictions infinity train okko let's be heroes close enough big and seek victor and valentino the food the fungies fungies only ones from there that i'm familiar with that i've heard of that i didn't even watch was victor and valentino as for where you can still watch these shows online well your options are dwindling and to be honest with you i think a lot of this has to do with the fact that cartoon network has been uh, gearing up with like their new flashback or their new checkered past block that is pretty successful so they're probably trying to gather all of the hit shows they've had in the past and say you know what we're combating against streaming at this point let's take all of these things off of streaming including max and let's go back to the basics and let's try to really make things you know hit the way they once did where they took everything from in-house so that's probably why they're taking things off of streaming and they're going in-house with it they're pretty much trying to make a power move of look at everything we have let's do it in-house let's keep it all on the channel because checkered pass is doing pretty well based on what we heard between adult swim and cartoon network which i wouldn't be surprised if at some given point adult swim and cartoon network became synonymous with one another like i get it Adult Swim was created to differentiate cartoon network was for kids adult swim was for for adults but at this particular point considering majority of the demographic that is watching cable tv is older audiences kids are really on the streaming and on the youtube and all that jazz i think at this point we're getting closer to a day where it'd be okay to mix both as long as the cartoons or the animation or the programming in general isn't too graphic or adult i think they might be able to get away with mixing both and becoming you know cartoon swim that was just a name off the top of my head you call it cartoon wave for all i care moving forward quick update from my hero academia and witch watch my hero academia and witch watch will both be on break next week in weekly shonen jump issue number 49 and series will both resume in issue 50 as scheduled so 
you know, getting breaks. It's dope to see Witch Watch getting a break. I don't think the smaller series usually get breaks. So it might be that Witch Watch has been around long enough that they're like, all right, you know, you've done the grind for a year or two of chapters with no breaks. Here's your breaks. We're going to start giving you them. I think there's some sort of like, I don't want to say it's a hazing ritual, but there's definitely some notable difference between if you've been in Shonen Jump for X amount of time and not where we started seeing after a certain point, Muscle Magic and Muscles, once it reached a certain, you know, chapter length that they were like, okay, author starts getting breaks. And I think Witch Watch has, you know, received that point where it's like, all right, you're going to start getting hiatuses in between. So you don't burn yourself to complete fatigue since you're going to be in the magazine for a bit and you've been in for a bit. But kudos to both those authors. Next up, we got a couple of updates for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure announces KFC collaboration. Oh, it's happening. Just when you thought JoJo's Bizarre Adventure had done it all, the franchise pulls a surprise. After all, the hit anime is teaming up with KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and the big collaboration will begin this month. Oh my gosh. The news comes straight from China as the nation's chain of KFC confirmed the anime collab. It turns out KFC will kickstart a partnership with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean this month. The big event will kickstart October 27th and will run for a limited time. As you can imagine, KFC XJJBA duo has fans doing a double take. It isn't every day JoJo's Bizarre Adventure embarks on such an odd deal, but KFC is too good to ignore. When you're doing collabs with KFC, that's freaking humongous. For this big collab, KFC in China will be offering two JoJo's meals. These meals will come complete with anime-themed buckets, and the containers feature all of our favorites from Stone Ocean. And you know there's going to be some crazed JoJo fans that are going to import people's leftover KFC Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets just to get that Jolene. Oh my god. Won't be me, dog. I'm past that point in my fandom, like, just to be clear. Clearly, this animation collab sounds like a wild choice for KFC, but it's hardly strange. After after all, the food chain has teamed up with anime series time and time again in Japan. Given the popularity of KFC in Asia, the chicken chain is no stranger to anime. In fact, KFC even developed its own anime dating sim a few years back to the horror slash delight of fans. And now KFC is continuing its wee brutes with help from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And yeah, I mean, there's collabs all the time. I remember back in the days, Subways, you know, the Subway Sandwich, they would have collaborations and promo events with freaking Hot 97, you know, a hip-hop radio station. So there's always been some, you know, fantastical, I would say, collaborations between whether it be different chains, anime, all sorts of different things. So seeing JoJo's ex-KFC, it's not too wild for me per se. Uh, then we also have a little bit of spoiler territory i believe for the jojo's manga the latest part part nine jojo's bizarre adventure debuts new villain and their nightmarish stand it looks like jojo's bizarre adventure has a new threat on the horizon over the decade the anime has seen several of its baddies become legends and now a new foe has joined the list not long ago jojo's revealed its next big villain and they are none other than Mochino. is it most chino i want to say most kino either most kino or most chino and no we don't mean the actual fashion line jojo has a named its new villain Moschino and fans who visit the Jojo escape game attraction will get to meet him which yeah Jojo's has always been involved in fashion Gucci all sorts of stuff so it's not surprising the villain of the Stone Ocean escape game Escape from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is called Moschino based on the fashion brand. Oh, okay, so this is not part nine. Forgive me for that. This is actually from Stone Ocean itself that they're doing a collab for a new villain. Stan Tangerine Dream. Moschino traps the target in a prison in a dream world. The update comes straight from Jojo's big escape game venture. It turns out the event will feature the enemy Moschino, who is named after the luxury fashion line. Voiced by Yohei Azakami, Moschino will be the enemy who traps guests in the Jojo's escape game. 
And of course, he will act with the help of his stand. As for his partner, Mochino's stand is named Tangerine Dream. According to the team, Mochino is able to trap a person or group in a prison he creates within the Dream Realm. Using Tangerine Dream's power to trap people, these victims cannot escape unless they uncover the key to awakening in their prison. So of course, guests who visit the actual JoJo's game will have to solve puzzles to find this key. And yeah, honestly, I mean, I think it's a Japan-only thing, which is unfortunate. They did do a Part 3 escape game a while back. And yeah, I thought that this was going to be for Part 9. That would have been crazy uh, promotion, but it seems as though it's for the latest season of the anime. And yeah, Homie seems alright, I guess. I don't really know much about him, I guess, until one day, hopefully, I get to play that escape game. Maybe they'll bring that escape game to, I don't know, one of the expos in the coming years. Moving forward, quick update for Super Dragon Ball Heroes. Super Dragon Ball Heroes anime hiatus announced. Super Dragon Ball Heroes has been running its special promo anime series for quite a while, and it's been announced that the anime will be going on its first major hiatus for a while. Super Dragon Ball Heroes first kicked off its promo anime with an adaptation of the Prism Realm Planet arc from the original arcade game a few years ago, and the anime has surprisingly since continued with many more arcs over the years. This continues through the newest arc of the series, Meteor Mission, that recently debuted its premiere episode in Japan, but there's going to be a break for a while now with the release of the first episode of Super Dragon Ball Heroes Meteor Mission Episode 1, which marked a major change for the promo anime as it was the first truly CG animated episode in the series thus far. Director Tadayoshi Yamamuro has announced that the promo anime staff will take a break while promising that the special anime openings for the original arcade game will continue, but unfortunately it has not been revealed when. Super Dragon Ball Heroes promo anime might be taking a break for a while, but thankfully it's no longer going to be the only new Dragon Ball project because of course there's the announcement of Dragon Ball Daima. I'll be honest with you, uh, them going that CG direction, which I think that that was just a one-off special that to kind of tidy over fans until it returns. Um, hopefully that's not the case because it's already as it is. Super Dragon Ball Heroes is mainly just 110%. If you're a Dragon Ball fan that's been aching for some animation of the series, go check it out. But expect just wild fan service galore. Don't expect to like have a you know uh, consistent and concise anime because it's not. It's literally throwing shit at the wall of everything that Dragon Ball fans can possibly imagine and fathom. So yeah, it, taking a break, it, I mean, it doesn't break me up. I'm not a follower of it. I've seen a bit of it, but yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Then we have a quick update. Apparently, there's a new series from the creator of Codebreaker as well as Samurai Deeper Kyo, which if I'm not mistaken, Codebreaker was just announced that it's getting an anime. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, Kamijo Akihime, author of Samurai Deeper Kyo and Codebreaker, is starting a new serialization in Shonen Magazine issue number 48. The new series is titled Jushin no Katana. It's an action fantasy manga based on the Chinese Zodiac plot of Katana Beast, Princess Ibusuki of the Rabbit Tribe searches for her champion to represent the tribe in a festival of proxy battles between 12 clans based on the Chinese Zodiac. Then she meets Hijumaru of the legendary Lion Tribe. And we even got a promo image of what it looks like and it looks pretty cool. Katana Beast. Alright, I'm here for it. Moving forward, Dr. Stone by Richiro Inagaki and Boichi will be launching a new three chapter spinoff next week in issue number 49 of Weekly Shonen Jump. The new work will revolve around Senku developing a time machine first 47 pages will also receive a colored page so yeah i mean i've heard fans are not that enthusiastic about how the dr stone manga ended so it getting a three chapter spinoff it seems that the way however it ended i haven't read how dr stone ended i'm still like 
at the end of season two, I finished season two. It seems as though it left room for whenever you want to do more story, you can. So there's that. And it looks like they aren't stopping anytime soon because they got three more chapters of Dr. Stone. Moving forward, quick update for the upcoming solo leveling anime. Apparently the episode count has been revealed. Solo leveling is still nailing down the details for its upcoming anime as it draws close to its release next year. And one of the updates of the series revealed that it's reportedly going to run for two cores of episodes. So anywhere from 23 to 25 episodes for this and I believe again it's done by A1 Pictures with Nobura Kimura serving as head writer and most people are looking forward to this. It's a manhwa that is finally getting its anime adaptation and having at least 23 to 25 episodes is more than just due considering this has been a long time coming and very much so anticipated by uh, fans alike. So looking forward to two cores of solo leveling. Okay, people, let's slow it down with the weekly Shonen Jump author comments. We got Mission Yozakura Family by Hitsuji Gandaira. I'm full of gratitude and I also don't feel worthy, but the gratitude is winning. I will cherish this because they got front cover or whatnot for, I think it's the one year anniversary uh new age exorcist kota kawaii i went to the convenience store to buy some green tea there's so many varieties so i've been buying a bunch to try them out sakamoto days yuto suzuki i used to frequently make holes in paper with highlighter ink because i pressed too hard in <laughs> roboko shuhei miyazaki i want to try a lot of drinking snacks but the iwashita ginger ones are so good that i can't help but always buy them that's how i feel about gum shout outs to a particular gum that i'm not gonna promote because y'all ain't paying me for that blue box koji miura I got an orthodontic anchor and it's affected my enunciation so badly that the barista can't understand what size drink I want. Kagurabachi Takeru Hokazono. I drink about 4 liters of water per day so my studio is full of empty bottles. Throw them out. Seriously. Tuan Ice Elk Itsumo. I went to the Tokyo competition. My staff and I were blown away by Kageyama's free skate. Witch Watch Kentishinohara. I've been playing the watermelon game in the little free time that I get. I should definitely be sleeping instead. Kill Blue Taratoshi Fujimaki. When I need to hype myself up to draw, I listen to the JoJo anime. Il Vento Dioro theme song. Gotta go with part 5. Mama Yuyu Yoshihiko Hayashi. They say the sun comes up every day, but I can't help but think it goes away again. Okay, glass half empty there, huh, buddy? Jujutsu Kaisen's Gagakutami. This lady actually appeared in a rejected version of the Chapter 1 storyboards. Hee <laughs> hee. Akanebanashi Yuki Sunaga. Asteroid City and Poison. I watched a bunch of Wes Anderson movies. Underlock Yoshifumi Tozuka. I started playing Monster Hunter. Now, I have a request. Please implement the Gunlance ASAP. Elusive Samurai Yusei Matsui. I was shocked to learn that the Stanford experiment was faked, though the psychology of the people who fake the results is also interesting fascinating cypher academy yuji iwasaki i'm going all in with the test results will not be released until this comment is published the results will be on x i believe they're referring to twitter my hero academia Koshi. i was surprised by how it got cold so suddenly i had to put together my syrup 16g playlist who the hell is that? In uh, the Ichinose family, Delhi Sins, Tizen 5. It suddenly got cold, so please take care and please enjoy chapter 46 because there's only a few left. I said, Gil Ikuyo Hachia. I need to eat a bunch of nutrients so my organs will be strong enough to handle those nutritional drinks. And lastly, Martial Master Asumi by Kawada. It was cold and then suddenly hot again. What the heck am I supposed to wear? Yeah, the weather's been 
bugging out. And let's close this bad boy up with the top 50 best-selling manga of the week, courtesy of Joe's underscore K. At 50 to 41, we got Witch Watch falling 13 in 12 days, doing 41.5 with 9.8 this week. Witch Watch has started to become a little bit of a big deal, doing 41K in 12 days. Not bad. Not bad at all. It may be at 50 in its second week, but still, those sales are pretty damn good for a manga that is a little underrated. Uh, we got Jujutsu Kaisen at 44, volume 21, 11.1 this week, bringing its total to 1.73. Uh, we got places 40 through 31. Let's see here. We got the Slime Series, Volume 24. In 38 days, it just cracked 400K. Good stuff there. Mystery Toll on Akari, Volume 13. In 38 days, 405K. Great stuff there. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, Volume 22. In 227 days, it has done almost 1.6 million with 13.8 this week. We got So So No Fair in Volume 9. Uh, in 396 days, obviously that anime revived everything. It's done 403k with 15.6k this week. We got places 30 through 21. Another So So No Fearin, Volume 8 with 411k. Berserk Volume 42 still on the charts in 17 days. It's done 157k uh, with 16 this week. I'm curious to see what sales of Berserk were because my memory really doesn't serve me well of what Berserk manga sales were prior to Miura passing and post Studio Gaga taking over. I would love to see what sales was looking like. Again, it's been so long I can't really remember. I'd have to go back. Uh, then we got So So No Fearin occupying places let's see on this chart right here it is places 28 26 25 23 and 21 all of them doing about 16 to 17 almost 18k a piece for volume 7 10 6 5 and 4 and we got blue locks latest volume in 32 days 320k with 16.6 this week and we got places 20 through 11 with social no fear and again on the charts at place 18 volume 3 in 1032 days 652k copies ao ashi volume 33 in 18 days 158k my dress up darling volume 12 at place 17 with 221k in 21 days social no fear and again volumes 2 and 1 on the charts at 16 and 14 with uh, 18 and 19k a piece bringing both of their totals to 690 and 765 we got marshall's latest volume in 12 days 72.2 with 20.3 it's weird it looks like marshall's sales have slightly gone up i want to say where i mean it's still nothing compared to peak marshall doing like 90 something k in a week but it's still pretty good sales uh jujutsu kaisen volume 23 in 104 days uh, pretty much what is that over two months 21 Point seven this week bringing his total to almost 1.4 blue box definitely a hit volume 12 12 days 88k with 23 this week big ups to blue lock or blue box i'm sorry it's hard yo that that has to be intentional and then we got top 10 top 10 top 10 top 10 we got let's see here mf ghost volume 18 in 11 days the initial d spinoff has accumulated 73k sales so so no free in volume 11 in 31 days i think this is the latest volume has done 318k that anime is definitely helping what else we got here spy family's latest volume in 12 days 791k with 217k this week 
That is crazy. Almost 800k in 12 days. <laughs> Talking about a hit. Uh, and at number one, Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 24. It's latest volume in 12 days. 902k with 230k. Almost a million in 12 days. Phenomenal. I know Shonen Jump is scared of the day Gage Akutami ends this manga. But yeah, people, that's all we have for this episode. I'm Tim, and as always, people, have an awesome day. And remember the golden rule. Anime and manga for life, boy. Have an awesome day. Peace, and you guys just watched another episode of Porn Ever News. Make sure to check out my website, timroosevelt.com, to pre-order my album, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt, on vinyl, as well as my upcoming EP, Heroes. And you can also buy the digital copy of my album, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt, right now. Thank you so much for the support. See you guys next time. Oh, and subscribe if you haven't. Thought it would have been, wish it would have been, acting like I'm fine is getting harder to pretend. I said, thought you would have been, wish you would have been, maybe I was wrong, it was me 